culture. Welcome to this episode of the language question, Keshnatangan, a conversation about the Irish language and its history for anyone curious about their relationship with it and its role in our identity. We have an excellent guest for you on this episode. I'm really looking forward to introducing her to you. But before we do that, we have something a little bit different on this episode. We have the very exciting draw for our super prize, very kindly donated to us by our guest in our last episode, Gary Bannister and his publishing house, New Island Books, who have provided us with a shiny brand new copy of Gary's extraordinary thesaurus Gaelgeberla, the Irish English thesaurus. Now, uh, what I'm going to do while I'm recording this episode, and it's going to be your, many of you are going to be listening to this in audio only. We're also recording this on a video uh, and we're going to uh, share a clip of the video of us doing the draw here on the show so that everybody can see that everything was done correctly. And uh, you'll all be able to view it on social media as soon as I get around to organizing that. So, OK, now hopefully you can share you can see my screen and we've got our wheel of fortune here in front of us. Uh, we have. Uh, and I have actually asked somebody who knows far more about social media than I to go and make sure that they pulled out all of the names of everybody who correctly uh, followed the instructions to enter their names in the draw. And all of those names now have been uh, extracted from our social media accounts and put into this uh, wheelofnames.com um, prize draw picker. And uh, I'm going to spin the wheel now and we're going to get our, I'm uh, going to find out who our lucky winner is. So uh, let's see who that is. Yay. And the winner is Nigul Siobhan. Well, congratulations, Siobhan. Um, we're going to be in touch with you just uh, as soon as we can after the show with the uh, uh, to get your contact details so we can get your fantastic uh, copy of um, Thesaurus Gael Gaberla to you. So uh, congratulations again, Siobhan. And thank you to everybody who took the time to enter in our draw. That's not the only opportunity you're going to have to get a copy of the thesaurus on a very special basis uh, obviously Siobhan has now very um we're very we're delighted that she has is the lucky winner of the free copy that um New Island Books and Gary have given to us to give out to our listeners but you also have a very special offer for listeners to the show you can get a 20% discount on the thesaurus Gael Gaberla uh, by putting in a code that'll be exclusive to listeners here on this show I'm going to get that code for you unfortunately I don't have it here now as I'm recording this session but we will get it for you from New Island Books and we'll be sharing that for a limited period where you'll be able to use a code we'll give you here on the show and you can get a 20% discount on the Thesaurus Gaberla. if you were not the lucky uh, Siobhan Nigul who, uh, who won that copy well uh, congratulations once again Okay, well, our guest on this episode is Kira Nie. Kira is a bilingual poet, performer, playwright, and screenwriter. She is the co-founder of REC, a monthly multilingual spoken word event, and she is the co-founder of LGBTQ plus arts collective Eruk Atuk Gwilok. I really loved this conversation with Kira, and I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed having it. As always, I would be eternally grateful if you would follow, rate and review the show. And please also be sure to sign up at thelanguagequestion.com forward slash resources to get your complimentary valuable in learning resources and to ensure that you stay up to date with upcoming episodes, guests and to receive exclusive content. Anyhow, here goes this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Come win it to Kieran Ye is a bilingual poet, performer, playwright and screenwriter. She's the founder of REC, a monthly multilingual spoken word event and co-founder of LGBTQ plus 
arts collection Aeroc Atok Gaelic, chosen as one of the Irish Examiner's 100 Women Changing Ireland in 2022 and an Irish Writer Centre Ambassador. In 2023, she is Artist-in-Residence in UCD's School of Irish Celtic Studies and Folklore, previously with the Dublin Fringe Festival and DCU. She has performed in New York, London, Brussels, Sweden and across Ireland. She is published in anthologies Bone and Marrow, Knobog Smear, Washing Windows, and the journals Aeneas, Icarus, and Core. Her first collection is forthcoming. Akira, Akara, Tafot is Fihiro there in show, August Tom Harava, Boyekti, Asavelin. Well, Kira, I really am delighted to have you here with us and so grateful to you for joining us. Um, what I'd like to do to, to begin with, Kira, if that's okay, would be to, what we do with all of the guests here on the show, is we just start with your background in the language. Let's say what the language looked like in your family growing up and in, in, in your history uh, when you came to it to begin with. Yeah, um, so I grew up in an English-speaking household, um, but I am, um, and there is, well, how would I describe it? But there was an atmosphere that Irish was a good thing, I suppose. So when I was about 12, my mom started doing Irish la- lessons um, in the local GAA club. And she started telling me things about it. And at the same time that year, I had teachers uh, in sixth class. I had two teachers. They were job sharing. And they taught Irish in a very interactive way. They'd give us word lists and they'd tell us to write a play and we'd learn songs and all sorts of things that I'd never experienced before. So I was growing an interest in this language. And I went once or twice with my mom to her classes and something was just kind of stirred inside me. And I went to the Gaeltacht in Rossaville, the Gunnamara, um, and I went there for the next six years every summer. Um, and then when it came to sixth year, it was a bit of a strange one because both my sisters, I have two older sisters, both of them had done engineering and I was a very mathematical and science kind of based person but I did love writing and English um obviously I ended up being a writer now but I, I always kind of thought I'd go in that direction and there was definitely a prestige as we all know with the the points race and doing medicine like I'd done my work experience in a hospital so it, it was just a turning point in my life when I was 18 and I, this language had been such a part of my life in this every summer and kind of how I was starting to view the world as a young adult but I knew with the family that I had and the position in the world, if I didn't study Irish at university, that it would just leave my life. Because I'd seen it happen with people who went to the Gaeltacht with me, like people who would be the pre of Kindera, and then they just go on and they'd study medicine or accounting or something, you know, all these high achieving people. And they'd never use Irish again. And I just thought that I didn't want that to happen to me, which I'm very glad I actually thought about at the time. Um, so anyway, I went on and I studied um, English and Irish in Trinity College. Um, and then after that, I moved to London for a year. I was working in a publishing house and I just really missed it. I ended up going to these kind of meetings in pubs with all these, anyone who desperately wanted to speak Irish. And I kind of thought, what am I doing in London? Like, you know, anyone else, you know, a 20 something, young 20 something year old in London would be living the life, but I was just missing Irish. So I came back to Ireland. I did the master's three of August Cumbersaw at the Gaelge in UCD because I wanted to be able to use the language professionally. I needed to. So that was my kind of way in. And I started writing. I started working in the media and kind of just went off from there. But that's fascinating. And I would love to just explore that a little bit just for a second, because you mentioned something there. And I think that's incredibly important and insightful is that decision that you made at 18 or whatever it was. Maybe it's it's 
you know, I have kids now who are doing the leave insert and, you know, we're coming up to Christmas and it's what are you going to put down in your CAO and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and you, what was, what was going on? Can you, can you recall that, that kind of, you know, what that, what that drive was to, to, uh, towards Irish then that, 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 cause that's, that's remarkable. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think I just, um, I, because I'd started going to the Grail Talk young, I'd always been making friends with people who were older than me. So I saw them age out of going to the Grail Talk and kind of, in a sense, age out of Irish once they left the education system. People who every year had been going to the Grail Talk and who were fluent. And I just didn't want to lose my connection with that culture. And like, I say this a lot, and like, I believe it to be true that um, people who have an active interest in Irish culture, like, are just different <laughs> because obviously if you if you place a value on a, on this minority language you're, it's it's the same way you can say like people who are interested in economics or like you know, quite often there, there'll be traits that bind them but I just found that I got on very well with people who had an interest in Irish language and Irish culture and I didn't want to lose that Mm, mm. community and, i suppose yeah for sure but uh, yeah and on that i mean w- w- would your friend groups have would you have spoken irish with your friends and so on growing up no so i had one friend my best friend she went to the, the grail talks with me every summer and exactly what happened she went on and did law and although we were once the same level of irish now she hasn't used it in years you know like so and obviously i i went on then and i made friends um who all speak Irish and now it's it's just my life because my work is in Irish like my partner speaks Irish my all my closest friends speak Irish and we're all kind of very actively involved in yeah in keeping Irish alive and um, creating Irish communities Irish language communities Mm, amazing amazing so so tell me you you you, uh, so then as part of studying you 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 did uh, Fulbright scholarship I think didn't you and you were in the U.S. Yeah, I did. A, um, so it's called an FLTA, Foreign Language Teaching Assistant. Um, so I went over in 2017 and I spent a year teaching Irish in Philadelphia. Well, just outside Philadelphia in Villanova University. Yeah. And, 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 and what was that like in terms of the what was your experience of, of, of Irish and, and, and it's what, 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 what did that look like over there then? It was interesting. Like Irish is just was just another language to the students. Uh, the, the university system is set up a bit differently in that they have to do a language. They have to get certain credits. You know, one be a language, and I think maybe one sciencey course. They kind of have to have a broad spectrum, in, depending on what they're doing. So some of them would have done Spanish in school, and then they kind of would see Irish on the list and say, "Oh, why not?" Like I, so they applied. But it was it was definitely interesting because I taught Irish. I'm not an Irish teacher, but I, I had taught it with a few different groups in Dublin. And um, I generally always been teaching Irish people. <laughs> so like you're teaching people who've learned it through school, who've learned it from the age of four, who are surrounded by the sounds of the language, the specific, especially if you're from the countryside and you hear the countryside accents, um, which like use Irish sounds more. Um, but they're just used to it and they know the spelling system of Irish. So like there's there were so many things that I took for granted and it really made me realize how much Irish people know when you have to go over to a country where people are like trying to pronounce the H's. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, there's, a, there's a kind of a flip side to that, I think, in a way, in that you say, OK, there's amazing about that you actually know. But uh, you, there's also this thing that, oh, hold on, I having despite having 
you know, been exposed to it and experienced and, you know, learning it for 14 years, whatever it is, you know, I, I'm, there's something kind of, there's some inadequacy about the fact that I haven't actually mastered it or grasped it or, 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 or that I'm still so, you know, lacking proficiency in it. I, I, sometimes I, I wonder in terms of Irish people returning to it. Do you, yeah, I think Irish people can be very hard on themselves with Irish and they often mm. would apologize. And maybe you're, you might notice this now that you're learning Irish. You might, you'll, be, you'll have moved from the non-Irish speaker to the Irish speaker and then people mm-hmm. treat you differently and they start saying things to you like, oh, I'm very sorry, I don't have Irish, as if you're yeah. the Irish police. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. But I think if, if a lot of Irish people had the same level of French or German or Spanish, they'd be very proud of it. Mm, mm, but it's because mm. of the post-colonial thing and it's because somewhere deep down they think, oh, well, I should be fluent. Mm. which I oh. think is, is a positive thing actually because yeah. it shows yeah. that a positive kind of association because they want to be on some level and they feel bad that they're not oh there's this huge cognitive dissonance there that's that's I, 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 this is so deep I mean because and this is why I think so many people are so aggressive towards the language because mm. they, there's there's such there's such a kind of a, a jarring there about the fact that it is our native language yet it's a, a, a you know it's a foreign language to, to many people or it's not their English is the language that they grew up with as kids and mm-hmm. that they speak effortlessly and Irish is, is, a, is a lot of work. And, 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 and so that creates a kind of a, 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 a cognitive distance. And I think some, and for some people, the easiest way is to simply reject it completely and, and hate it and, and do all of this stuff that comes out of this, this, this negativity that comes out online in, in, in respect of it. I think that's a kind of an avoidance thing. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm probably d- delving into territory that I'm completely unqualified to, to, to think about. But um, uh, no, there's, there, there's an awful lot to that. But, 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 but Kira, if you wouldn't mind to begin to run through things from a chronological point of view, and then you might just kind of broaden it out if that's okay with you. But mm-hmm. so, so, so just in terms of the Fulbright experience, then you came back. And I suppose I, I mentioned just before we started um, that actually this was a little bit like meeting a hero of mine because I have I, I when I was starting my return to the language I did the leaving cert in 1990 got a C in pass Irish um, and struggled you know just did it purely because I had to get it to get into the NUI um, and then you know 30 years later went back and, and did it again in 2020 and and uh, th- there was a that was there was a lot of work went into just trying to make that happen but when I was at the beginning of that journey going back I couldn't um, I couldn't understand uh, Red and Welton. I would listen to Red and Welton in the car, but could understand about 10% of it. Um, and, you know, would try to immerse myself as much as I could in Irish, but I simply didn't have the, 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 the proficiencies to do so. And so therefore, anything that was in English that, you know, gave me any kind of in to the language was, was I, I just thought was, was amazing. So What the Fuckle for me was just, 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 uh, 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 it, it was, it was my favorite show. <laughs> Thank but, you. Yeah. But so, so tell me, how did you kind of, how did that come about? And, 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 and what was that? What, 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 how, what was that? How, how did that part of your life kind of emerge? Well, it's interesting. And, I, and I'm really glad that you enjoyed it and that it helped you on your journey and it, that it helped you progress as well which is exactly what it's for because I know there's a lot of content being made in English about Irish and I it sometimes it feels as though people are happy just to consume that and I think that's like a separate category that's that's a separate thing where people are just want to learn about Irish but they don't actually want to learn Irish and that's just and I I think I always wanted to help people to actually progress to the next level and it came from being constantly surrounded by people who don't speak Irish my family so as I was setting up this career and life through Irish, 
like they essentially can't understand what I'm doing. So they'd be constantly asking me, what's this and what's that? And explain this and what's that? And I'd be giving them these kind of abbreviated versions. They, I always wondered about this. <laughs> what's a shaving? What? And I'd be telling them. And my sister said, like, you know, I was trying to explain it to my friend because she asked me what you said and I couldn't remember. Like, would you ever just record it for me? And I said, oh, maybe. And I was really embarrassed about it at the start because, like, it's, it seems impossible now because we all have cameras in our faces the whole time. Um, but I was really like, I, oh, the idea of being a YouTuber was kind of cringe or something. Um, but I think I just really, that, that was my aim. And I was also really aware that I was learning too. And I am still aware of that. Like you were talking about English being your first language and Irish being more difficult. Like, yeah, me too. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's all, that's never going to go away probably. Um, but it's, um, yeah, so that's, that's how I started doing the what the fuckle videos. And at first it was a really simple, commonly asked questions. Where do Irish surnames come from on these? What's a shavy? What's an Uru? That kind of stuff. And then they started getting more complicated in what I was talking about. Um, and that's how I ended up starting the podcast. You want to go chronologically, so maybe we'll... No, no, no. Work away. <laughs> Knock yourself out. Well, I started talking to people about... You were saying actually about Radio Nagueltachta and not understanding what people were saying. And I do remember listening to Radio Nagueltachta and not even being able to tell which dialect was which. Like, I remember that stage of my of my life. Because um, not knowing what, what to look out for, not knowing the musicality of it. And I, so I started talking, I have some videos talking to people about dialects in Irish, but then I started wondering, why am I talking about these in English? Because <laughs> some of the things were so technical. I just thought, if someone's at this level, they probably have Irish at this stage. So, um, and I was getting a chance to talk to some real experts so um, people who've studied the language for years. So I started a podcast under the same umbrella of What the Fuckle, which is Oscar and it's interviews of about an hour long where I sit down with people and ask them about their opinions on kind of just like what makes good Gaelga. Um, and that's, that's been really, really rewarding for me. No, it's a fantastic series, and I highly recommend it uh, to anybody. I've been, you know, you've, you've, you've just, they're, they're wonderful shows, and you, you've, you've, you've just extraordinary guests on it. And and again, it's 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 a wonderful iteration to go from the what the fuckle the YouTube channel Asperla into the the podcast Asquelga and Lacoon of Day Bather, um, Omegan big Bather big 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 big. Uh, uh, episode of going so so creation so sure so um but um so that um is 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 wonderful Kira and I but I would love to just maybe just then to to just maybe just progress one a step further then in terms of I mean because it's an extraordinary you know I suppose this 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 um I don't know this this self possession that you seem to have in relation to the language from from a young age to me that that's extraordinary. Because um, I think so much of us, so many of us, at certainly I remember it at, at um, deciding what to do after um, sixth year, what was I going to do in terms of college, and, and I had no idea. Ended up doing a law degree, and um, here I am, kind of thirty years later, still working in that game. Um, but it certainly wasn't kind of for 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 having a love of passion of law that I that I went into that. So 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 that choice is, uh, I think, um, uh, incredible. But um, but come come on then. So then, and what fuckle helping others to learn and so on, and and certainly um, uh, thank you. You 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 helped this guy. But um, what about writing then? How did that? Where was that going? On? Was that something? Were you were, did you were you always writing uh, uh, as a kid growing up, or, or 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 how did that kind of show up in your life? 
I just have to say before I talk about writing that I don't think I was a very good student in college either. There was a lot of partying, but because it was happening with the Cumann Gaelach, my Irish was always progressing. Um, and I think in a way it's actually because I wasn't a very good student. Like I, I found myself looking at grammar books and I would just look at them. It just didn't really go in. The only way I could learn was listening to people, talking to people, asking like my lecturers, if I asked them a question, they explained it. I'd understand, but I was never really very good at learning Irish from a book, mm-hmm. like from a grammar book. And I think mm-hmm. that's part of the reason maybe why what the fuckle is was so natural to me because I just I really want to just explain things in a way people could understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just just in case any of my lecturers happen to be hearing this and thinking, oh, I remember Kira missing a lot of classes, um, and and I didn't want to seem like I was so uh, so mature as you described. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know, and, I, and and sorry, and I didn't mean to, mean to mischaracterize that because I think that's even better actually because certainly I never showed up for for I think you know eighty percent of my my lectures in in, in UCC uh, back in the nineties, but um, and I think that's what college is for. But but it's more so just the actual interest in that you know, that, that direction, if you like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that's, that, that, that's really what I was referring to rather than that you were this kind of just huge, um, you know, power student of Irish from, from day one. But anyway, uh, it, 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 it's, it's all good, but just no, because to, those do exist and I didn't want yeah, to sure, claim for that sure, place. for sure, for sure. Um, but no, let's let, claim the place that you occupy, which is, is, is writing. And, mm-hmm. and how, how did that kind of co- evolve in your life? Was it always part of what you did? I always wrote, growing up so I have like boxes in my mom's attics of diaries and poems and things that I wrote because I was very always very much looking around me and feeling my emotions and writing them um which I didn't really know when I was younger made me a writer I just thought it made me a sad person and also I knew that I was queer so I always knew I was different and I always felt like an outsider and I didn't really like school. I didn't really get on with people in school. Like this, all these things would kind of make you, I suppose, want to write and kind of do those things. But I, I didn't really have confidence in sharing what I wrote that much. Um, but I started college. I definitely didn't like the people like Sally Rooney was in my year in Trinity. So like, wow. Just these people with like these huge abilities and it really made me feel like, oh, right. Like I thought I was a writer. I'm not like I'm so for a good few years. I didn't write in college. Um, And then I I kind of started writing again. Maybe in my last year, I wrote some poems. And and then when I moved to London. And were you writing in in what language were you writing in at this stage? I think English and a small bit in Irish. I won a small poetry prize um, by the magazine Core when I was in my fourth year of, of university and I actually felt like, oh, maybe I could write something. And I slowly the seeds were kind of being planted. And when I moved to London, I just felt like a drop in the ocean in that city, which mm. was the best thing for me because I'm from Dublin. I grew up in Dublin. I went to college in Dublin. I'd never left my parents' house. And, you know, you, I think there's a, there's a saying, you know, write like your parents are dead because you really have to like not think about what all these people are going to think of your writing. Um, so it was really good to be away and then to just write and feel like, yeah, feel like separate from my life and be able to kind of just put the work, like, I wouldn't have thought of it that way. I would have just like, but to put the work out there. So I started writing. And then when I came back to Ireland, um, in my, during the year of my master's, I set up a wreck, the spoken word night. So I, I had worked for two summers, um, 
in Macala Television Production Company where Marcus McNeil was working and he kind of had and he published his first collection at the time and he's very like he's very much a performance poet and that inspired me as well as Seamus Barrow Sullivan to set up a, a night for Irish language performance poets that's amazing so so what was that like I mean what when when, when, when that first um uh, kicked off it was crazy because I was completely underqualified <laughs> like I I really ended up setting it up because I wanted to just have all these poets together in one place and that wasn't happening but then we had our first night and people were very kind to accept my invitation to come and perform at the night um, as part of the Five Lamps Festival in Dublin. So that was 2015. And um, it was, yeah, then it, what happened was other people were aware the night was on and then they'd start writing Irish language poems, maybe people who weren't previously writing in Irish because they said, oh, well, there's an audience here for it. And so it, it has actually been really and now it's obviously it's a lot many many years later so there's a lot of people who have said that they started writing in Irish because of rec which is really like a huge huge like achievement really it makes me really really happy that mm. that has happened mm, mm, mm. no it, it is something to be extremely proud of and um just in terms of then the, the writing um because I, I I just see in self-described I think or certainly as bilingual poet I think I, I see uh, quite a lot I mean so talk to me about um, your view of um, how you approach language and the languages that you have in terms of writing do you have a, 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 a how do you feel about that yeah it's really interesting because as a non-native speaker you're always well I'm always a bit kind of shy about the writing in Irish because because it's my learned language, you know? Um, mm. But I, I really like writing in Irish. I, there's a lot of, I have a lot of fun with it. Um, I feel like it's very important um, that people <laughs> write in our, in our native language. And so I kind of have to put my money where my mouth is and do it. Um, but there is a kind of a shyness about it because I always feel like I'm never going to be good enough, but you have to start somewhere. Mm. So hopefully I'm always getting better. Um, and I used to write kind of a poem in Irish and a poem in English and sometimes I'd translate them and now if I am thinking I'll translate a poem I try to do it at the same time mm -hmm. and in that way the two languages actually end up informing each other because I might have a phrase in Irish and then I'll say oh I could use something like that in English or I might say something in English and realize that the Irish was quite plain and then and I got the reason I, I write them at the same time is I heard um Doreen and Ikenaidza talking talking she translates all her own poems and she said that that's the way she do, does it so I thought if it's good enough for Dreamy yeah. Canada. <laughs> good enough for you um but it's interesting because I was I was looking at um Phenomenal Woman in the um in the um Bone and Marrow uh Canavagus Smear um anthology and um I was um I was just very interested. First of all, you know the, 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 that poem and, and the way that it mixes between the two uh, languages, the code switching between the two, and 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 and, and I, I just in the in the little synopsis that's in that anthology there describing the poem, it talks about how this kind of resonates with macaronic poetry, and this is a thing that that that, that is there historically, and it even references poem from the the eighteenth century that that used this. I think there's a poem in Newfoundland where where it's 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 it mixes between English and Irish, and I mean, so so this is a kind of a this is a very 
this is an established tradition in, in, in the writing of Irish poetry. But then, but what I was also very just taken by when I was just looking at that entry there was you have the 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 bilingual poem there, and then you've translated it into English. And in a way, the English is so bare, and and, and it's because it's 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 just missing that whole other dimension that's that's there in in the in the in the other version that's on the opposite side of the page. Mm. Yeah, I don't know now. I have to go look at that version of English, but um, I think it's very much a literal translation. Um, yeah, because it, it's it, a lot of the things that are happening in the Irish that are fun, you can't yeah. put them into the English. You can't translate like the the play on words really very well. Well, I didn't manage to. Oh, 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 well, well, no, no, I completely. But it's even I, I'm even just looking at it, it, lines. She's a hon, a gimmer, there the hon. And you know, there's this obvious, you know, rhyme there between the two mm. different things, and you know, it's it's it, you know, it, it, it there's a immersive buckle going on and all that kind of stuff. But you know, sure. and, but it's 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 just it's just I think so interesting the way that whole when that dimension is taken out, what's left is is just a much much poorer thing. And I think it just really highlights the whole kind of you know Irish in Ireland as uh, the Irish language in Ireland as a thing. Well, yeah, I think it's because if it's you know, I say. Uh, what? but like that line works in Irish and like I'm forced to translate it for the English version but if I had to write something in English I could also write something that has Imertus Buckle and maybe that wouldn't work in an Irish only translation mm. um, so yeah it, it's just a macaronic poem that's, that's the way it is and it's written that way because like people ask me sometimes why usually just practical reasons because that was a commission and they said write a macaronic poem mm. um, because Irish people like hearing Irish, but they can't understand it. So mm. they, they like to have some of it there, but they also like to understand some of the poem. And mm. I think because, like I said, my family don't speak Irish, I kind of always kept that in mind. Like even I was asked, to, I had got a wonderful commission at the end of 2020 to write a poem about the year by the Linen Hall Arts Centre in Mayo. And they said it could be in English, or sorry, it could be in Irish or however, whatever language you want. But I just, I, I ended up wanting to write it about my sister's child, which was the first grandchild in our family. And I, I started writing it just in Irish. And then I realized that none of them would understand it. And like, it just kind of made me sad. And like, I, I know that I could write an English version, but that would be an English version of the Irish. I don't know. I just felt like I just wanted to have it so they'd understand half of it and they'd understand part of the actual poem. But this is a huge, huge thing, Kira, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's because it's even, you know, it's this whole thing about about language in Ireland and and English and Irish, and I mean, because because on the one level, I mean, we're having this conversation in English for the same reason you um, started what the fuck in English. It's to try and reach people who are learners on a journey. Who hopefully will you know want to progress and hopefully as I say we might have a version of this podcast as well, um, um, uh, But but you know it, it, for the moment it's 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 to help the learner, but not with somebody who's on a journey and interested in actually learning rather than just saying they want to just look at Irish as a kind of a museum piece from outside in in English. Mm. But but it's about that. How do we connect with people who are? I mean, you see in the census, um, you know, the number of people who say that they can speak Irish is I don't know. It seems a little bit kind of um, well optimistic. It seems to me, or, or I would say, the sense of 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 competency is probably a little bit overinflated. Um, but but there is obviously 
people are well disposed to the language, you know, or people, mm-hmm. people are, people really feel very deeply about language, but they, they simply can't speak it or can't understand it. And then if you want like that thing there now in a family context of wanting to actually, you know, have something that's meaningful and it's deeply meaningful in terms of your family and that new addition to your family and, and you want wanting that to connect with the rest of your family, but you feel that if you write the poem in Irish, then that's immediately, you know, um, isolating it from them. I mean, and, and, and and then, because I remember even when I launched the podcast, I remember there's a couple of people saying, "Well, you know, I, I, that's in English. Oh no, I wouldn't have anything to do with that." And um, it's it's kind of it's a bit, you know, it's it's there's there's this kind of contention all the time between the two between the languages. And and I can understand people in Irish or in the Irish language community saying, "You know, Irish is so in so, you know, it's it suffers such huge." influence from English all the time and there's this whole thing that if you're in a in, in company and one person uh, only one person doesn't speak Irish and all the other people speak Irish the conversation switches into English to facilitate the person who who, who can't speak Irish and mm. you know I mean, sorry all of those things they're they're complicated aren't they yeah it's it's, it's very complicated and it's it's kind of a case-by-case basis for a lot of them like there have been in plenty of situations where people would say specifically i know you're all gory and you want to speak to each other irish so i can sit here for 20 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it is and not understand and like usually somebody will break off and talk to that person in english but like it it is interesting like that, that some people understand how rare it is for certain Irish speakers to get together and how much they want mm. to speak the language. And just to appreciate mm. that and give them that space is a very uh, generous and caring act, I think. Yeah, no, I, I completely, because I, I, one of the big things that I struggle with is opportunity to use the language in any kind of a natural context outside of, you know, any kind of educational context. You know, um, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm back at UCC at the moment and it's just wonderful going back there and being able to use the language there. And then there's a wonderful faculty and community there. And it's 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 just it's it's, it's extraordinary. Um, but but finding opportunities to use it outside are so rare, as you say. So so when people get together, then, of course, um, you know, that's 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 an extraordinary uh, special opportunity to have that. I, although on the other hand, I find when I go to the Gwaeltacht, I find it very unnatural. Um, to, to 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 find to be able to use the language in. I mean, I find sometimes I go into maybe a a, a a commercial, you know, transactional context like in a pub or a shop, and you know, I'm trying to use the language badly to 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 complete a pretty everyday transaction for the person on the other side of the counter who just wants to get the job done and and get on with it. And so, pretty much inevitably we are switching into English quite a lot of the time, or at least, you know, that's happening. And, and, and I find, I feel that if I were to try and insist on remaining, you know, Asquelga, that might be a little bit kind of trying to enforce a, a or, you know, I, I, and, and, and I also feel a bit weird at the times, you know, am I trying to, let's say, subject this, this, this native speaker to my Irish, that, that they're somehow suddenly my, you know, um, tutor that I'm, that they're expected to engage with me in, in, in my crappy Irish or whatever. I mean, what, what, do you, what does any of that kind of stuff ever kind of occur to you? It's interesting the things that go through our heads in these conversations. Like I was in Spain recently as well, and like I don't have Spanish, mm-hmm. and either does my partner. But he, we were both just trying to learn it as we went along. Like just like we kind of noticed what people were saying, and then we'd use them with the waiter. And and people were re- like the Spanish people were really really helpful. And like it's so interesting because it's not like it's a it's not a minority language. It's not like you know something they need to 
mind but they were really helpful and they were really encouraging and they were really nice to us about it and then I was I came back and I talked to a few people about it and they said oh yeah but it's not like that in France like it's not like that in Germany they just want to speak English to you and it's not like that so it seems to change depending on what country you are how people treat mm-hmm. um your efforts to speak their language so I don't know about the Gaeltacht um I can't like when I've been down there in any time in the last while like I've just spoken Irish and people have spoken Irish back but I definitely have felt a bit like <laughs> you know I want to make sure they know I, I could speak Irish so that they won't speak English to me mm. um, and if they do I might speak speak Irish back just to kind of double down like no I, I definitely have this like please <laughs> yeah 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 but I, I, yeah but but it's exactly that because I mean, because you're in a different league right I mean like you're actually fluent in the language I mean I'm I'm <laughs> sometimes struggling with you know oh my god wait a second no, is this this is this is I'm trying to say Go in the past tense and how, yeah. um, and and oh, but uh, fluency, fluency is a bit of a myth, though, really. Yeah, like, for sure. But proficiency, yeah. proficiency. Let's yeah, say. but I do, I do think it's interesting because, like, yeah. you know, I went down to we did our staycation twenty twenty in uh, Kerry, and you went down, and like the first day or two was tuning into the accent and like kind of saying, and it's kind of like if you're not speaking proper Gaeltacht Irish, if you're using too many of the new words you know you have to figure out what okay what are the words they use in in english and then what are all the other specific things because you can't be saying like will to down there you have to be saying yeah. to yeah and like you have to tune into well how do they speak irish like i, I might have a proficiency of the language but that doesn't mean i can speak how they yeah. speak it yeah 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 no that's that's really cool actually yeah yeah because you don't want to be showing up with all these kaidani words um in, in, in the wrong milieu um uh, you just have to know what to listen to, you know. Yeah. If you're expecting to someone say "roher" and they say "weiskel," yeah, you, ha- you have yeah. to know what you're yeah. listening yeah. for, yeah. what yeah. what yeah. language yeah. and how. Yeah. yeah, and I said just just God help learners. Basically, is 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 all I can say in this in this context. But that's what I find. I just find you know because I, I, I go to the world and I just love being there, you know. Um, uh, and but I just I come away at times going, oh, I'm just never going to get. I'm never going to be able to break through. But I, but I, I suppose what I'm interested there though is like, you're somebody who's you know you're immersed in sail and like you say, right? And I mean you're. I mean, you're a celebrity in, in, in you know in the language. You're, but certainly, you're you're, you're somebody who's, who's writing, professional writer in the language. Um, so you're you're about as good as it gets, right? As a, but, I mean, I'm I'm trying as hard as it gets. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Okay, uh, same 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 difference uh, to use that horrible expression. But um, but like, how do, do you still feel kind of outside when it comes to the Gaelic? I mean, how do you how does that kind of you know let's say you know that that whole you know, Gwaeltuk, non Gwaeltuk, what's that, what does that feel like for you? Or, 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 or does that make sense? Yeah, I think I've, I've mostly learned that it's not, the Gwaeltuk is not one massive group who meets on Mondays, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it's actually, well, like, I mean, it's a geographical re- region, supposedly, but that there are Gwaeltuk people who don't live in the Gwaeltuk anymore because of housing crisis reasons mm-hmm. and horrible planning and governmental reasons, which you won't mm-hmm. get into. Um mm-hmm. So there's kind of, it's just so diffuse. And like, I've spoken to so many people, like there's definitely people from the Grail Talks who would say, who's this one? And then there's other people from the Grail Talks who would say, wow, I really like your work and what you're doing with Irish. So mm. like, you can't, I suppose you can't really be too too down on yourself about um, what do Grail Talk people think about us learners? Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't think so, but I, I definitely do. Like when you're in the situation, you're kind of like, 
well, I hope that I hope I'm good enough. And yeah. <laughs> they're going to report you. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but come here. No, that's that's that's. I, I'm, first of all, I'm just so honoured you used the word us learners, and we're here having this conversation. So that's 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 um, that's phenomenal. Thank you. And everybody who's listening, yeah, that's it. I mean, we are just all learners at different stages of the of the of, of the progression, you know. And it's. Um, I was talking to um, Gary Bannister. Um, oh yeah. Recently, and he's brilliant. Uh, he's brilliant, isn't he? But you're you're actually. Did you know you're in the acknowledgments of, of his thesaurus? I didn't know I was in the acknowledgements, no. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kieran EA is down there in the acknowledgements, um, along with um, uh, Peg Sayers, Eileen McConnell. <laughs> um, good company. Yeah, you're in some seriously good company there. Um, so, um, so Mahu. But um, but he was talking about the, whole, whole, the, the journey is better than the destination, and it's about just you know enjoying it at, at, at whatever stage we're at. And, and, and I think that's, that's so true of, of, of so many things in life. But Kira, you know, I was, talking, sorry. Sorry. I was talking about... Um, the myth of fluency, because I, when I went to university, you know, I could write essays in Irish and I'm, I'm not saying the grammar was very good in them, but I had a certain vocabulary and ability to analyze a, a text, a literary text, and to be able to write something about it in Irish. But then only like last year and well, like, or only in the last, it was during the pandemic, was I actually living with people through Irish? So mm. this was a whole new recovery. Like, how do you say casually, pass me the butter? How do yeah. you say, put down the kettle? Like, I, may, I was able to say a lot of things, but I wasn't. It was, it, so we have all these different areas of our life that we can function in. And I'm always coming across new ones where I'm like, oh, I need a whole new vocabulary for this. So, mm. like, um, I'm, I, my, my partner is a farmer, so I'm down the countryside. And I'm like, oh, I don't know any of the words for the yeah. plants and the yeah. animals. And the, I have to yeah. learn all of this. Yeah. So there's a lot. Like, it's, you're always going to be learning. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, yeah. The weather is one I struggle with the most. I mean, I think because you know we struggle with the weather so incessantly in Ireland, and we have such kind of nuanced kind of conversations around weather, and yeah. I just can't cut it. Ask Elga um, about, and, I, uh, and I'm sure to have. Um, but um, so if I you think, know a Kerbosti, you're probably well, like, fine yeah. But I mean, but there's <laughs> got to be something around this whole like you know we really have got to have a whole vocabulary. For oh, there's a lot. Here, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Kira, what I'd like to to pick up on in this context is something very specific in relation to your journey is your name, because a, a, a video that really um, resonated with me was that video you did in twenty twenty about um, in what the fuck about how you legally changed your name, and I mean that really resonated with me because my name growing up and it and still is is Florence McCarthy. Okay, or Flora McCarthy, and so the Irish version and is 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 Finian, well Finian McCarrick or Finian Acara in 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 Carcagwina. So when I started, kind of learning Irish and returning to Irish, um, I said, okay, I better, better find out what how to how to how to write my name in Irish. And of course, you know, Finian to Florence is a complete complete like weird anglicization. Don't know how that happened. Would love to find out what on earth they were thinking. Who did this? Was this imposed? Or was it the local lads thinking this would be a great name to change your name into? Or or, or what, how did that work? You know, because it's just, mm. that's, that's that's I mean, I don't know. Um, but anyway, so I said, okay, so it's Finin. F-I-N-G-H-I-N. Now, I mean, if you were going to spell that in a way that anybody might be able to pronounce it, you might spell it F-I-N-I for the N or mm. F-I-N-E-E-N, Asperla maybe. Um, and but and I went back and I said, how do you actually spell it? And I and I, and I went back and I, I I'm a solicitor, so I I I got a I got a, a parchment when I was put on the role of solicitors back in in in, in the 1990s, and and that, there was an Irish version of that, an English version. Of that. I said, okay, well maybe the dude who was writing that would have known how to spell my name. So 
presumably he spelled it correctly. So I went back to that and it was written there in very nice um, uh, Clogailoc. Um, it was F I for the N G H I N. So I said, okay, well, that's got to be the correct spelling of that. But I said, but that'd be, that'd be Fienan. Mm. I said, oh, so, so no, that can't be right. And, um, and then, um, and then, and so then I, I checked it up and I spoke to somebody who kind of knew about this and they said, um, no, actually it's, it's, you don't put a father in it because it's the old spelling. And, and when they took out the GH, they, they you get this, um, compensatory father on the, on, on the second eye, mm. uh, Sheena father Kutuv or something like that. Right. And, um, so it's, 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 um, that's, that's where the, 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 uh, second father goes. But, but then I would, I would, I would write to, I was, I, so, and I have in my email, <coughs> I have an email address in Finian McCorrick and I would email people and I was emailing, let's say I was trying to set up a course down in, in Corcoquina a while ago and I was emailing and the, the person who organized the course, a native speaker, and I'd sign off, um, F-I-N-G-H-I-N and, and they'd write back saying, you know, um, you know, ah, inin, and they'd, they'd put the fada on the eye as if I had forgotten to put it on. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and this has happened to me with a number of like university professors and things like this, and, and who have, who have put the fada on the first eye. I'm sorry, now I'm going deep into a rabbit hole here, but this is because these, these are my, this is my own personal baggage. But so, so you changing your name was, a huge, I, I was absolutely fascinated by this. And I'd love to, would you mind just talking to us about this and, and what that meant for you? Um, yeah, de- definitely. It is interesting about your name, though, the anglicization. So was Finine, well, you were Florence by birth. Yeah. Yes. You're, you're oh, saying but, originally the reason that name was used was from Finine. It was an anglicized. It, it's it's the anglicization of, of Finine as, as, mm. as a name. Finine is, is Florence. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's what it was, it's what it was is anglicized as. I don't know how yeah. on earth that ever happened. But, I think but they as, make false connections between names. Yeah. Like yeah. they have, like Anya isn't Anne. But they link they link that up, you know. So yeah. they, I think they must have just said, "Oh, this starts." With... Yeah. Oh, completely. But I mean, like yeah. Finine, they just they just went because I mean, like Florence was just you know way out there, and it was always a male name. It's all and it's and in West Cork and Kerry, Florence is 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 in in McCarthy's and O'Sullivan's is a very common name. But mm. um, it's but so so it's it, there's a lot of weird shit going on with that. But um, I suppose and and uh, what I want to come back to is. You know, I, I, I was thinking about what, what would it be like if you actually you went whole hog and changed it, but you actually did that. So, so would mm. you mind just telling us about your journey in terms of your name? Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, well, Kira obviously is an Irish name, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to change my first name. My name was Kira Heenahan growing up, and <laughs> like I just that's that was that's obviously my that, not obviously, but it is my dad's name, um, and. I when I started college I did have this debate of like will I change my name to Irish or not because obviously a lot of people were doing that in my course or had already done that and I was learning all these amazing names all these surnames that like I'd always have to be like what's that in English and then, then I learned to stop saying that and now if people ask me what's my name in English I say well the original Irish is anglicized as <laughs> or else I might say something like against the will of my ancestors it was changed too <laughs> just so they understand um depending on who it is and if they'll get the joke but um yeah I just it was my passport came up for renewal and I just couldn't use Heenahan because I hadn't used that name in my real life for a long time um so I'd been using Nienachan or actually Nie um which I thought about changing my name to I thought about changing my name to Nie and then I was just like you know I'll just keep my family name to an extent so I and you only have to have six months of proof because 
if you're if you're changing it to the original Irish, if you're using the Irish version of your name, it's not seen. Like I just picked a name out of the, the phone book and decided to change my name. You actually are legally allowed to use either version of your name as much as you want. You don't have to stick to one. So um, that was fine. I just got six months of evidence. I think I had something from a bill and I had, you know, a few. I had a, and so it was easy enough to sort that out. Um, so now my name is officially Kieran Nienchon. Um, but I actually have since then had a lot of thoughts. And at the time, it wasn't actually from the feminist perspective. But I have now kind of realized it's a pity that my name is just... Do you know what I always realized is that I was never that, that really... It, it, my name wasn't that important to me. And I just realized, like, of course it wasn't. Because I grew up with a name that I knew would be temporary if I decided to get married to a man, which mm -hmm. all of society was telling me I was going to do. So women are just kind of given these temporary names. You're always going to just give it up. That's the way it was traditionally seen. So um, yeah, recently I started thinking maybe I'll change my name to my, my grandmother's name or to my mom's name. And then obviously you're just in the hole of, well, that's just a man's name as well. So how far mm. back can you go? Mm. And really interestingly, I was doing an interview with um, Roshi Nigarvi, um, um, who's a lecturer in UL, I, I believe. And she said, or was it Mary? I, oh, I always get mixed up, sorry. Um, but she asked me why I had Nye as my, as my name. And was it, was it something feminist? Because Nye, of course, translates as like, not him. Mm. And at the time I was just like, oh, actually it's not. It's just a shortened version. But then in the last few weeks, as I've been searching for a name that I could change it to in good faith, I just was drawn back to that comment and I realized like oh well, I actually already have this name which means not him so I think mm. I'm just going to keep that as my name and know that it's not a man's name and just it's yeah so that's a bit off topic <laughs> no it's it that's right on topic because I, that's so cool but 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 would you consider changing like would you officially go from uh Nye on, on the passport to Nye? I think I might do. I'll think about it. I've got yeah. a few years now before the passport will be due. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'll yeah. be making a new YouTube video then. Yeah, you'll have to. Um, but um, no, because it's cool. Because And the reason I was, because when I initially saw Nia, I presumed it was... AOD. Yeah, well, I saw it. Yes, and when I was looking at the the, the, the anthology, the, the Canal of Spirit, they say, they say it's Nia, A-O-D-H-A. Or they? Yeah. They do, I didn't they, know that. They do? They do? I they never know. got that book. It was very expensive. Yeah, it's Kira Nianakon in and writes as Kira Nia, and they say Nia A O D H A or Kira Nia Ifada. Ah, well, it is Kira Ifada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's that's interesting. So, but but when I saw Nia, I was wondering, was it a modern version of the spelling of something like you know, like you know, like Nasa Nia, who wrote a Torah Dermas Grana? So the spelling is is S H E for the A G H D H A, and it's it's it's. It's Nye. Mm. And I, I often wondered, was it just a modernization of that spelling? But obviously it's, it's an abbreviation of Anacon, so that, that, that answers that question. But um, but that was where I was coming from with Finin, because I was going, oh my God, it's like, it's, it's. I don't even know how to spell it. I don't even know if I'm spelling it correctly. And, you know, and, 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 you, know, and, and you just feel like such an idiot, you know, because mm. going out with you, like, I've got my name spelled incorrectly, or I, I didn't kind of take the care to actually figure that out properly. And, and then you have people kind of saying, you know, subtly saying, Actually, you should spell it this way. Um, and um, but where I wanted to come to with it, Kira, I think was one of the things I've 
wondered about is if you did change it, how much hassle would that be? Because um, like as I'm, I'm Florence McCarthy is my name in English. That's the name I've had all my life. That's what my whole family called me. That's what my kids call me. Um, but more important, not, not more importantly, but from more practically, um, my bank account is in that name. I have a business and the bank account, my business is in that name. If I were to change any of those things in my passport, just I couldn't imagine how much kind of grief that would entail in terms of the, the bureaucracy and so on. How has that worked out? The bureaucracy? Yeah. It, it wasn't that bad um, because I had, it, I had it in a lot of places already. Um, so I had yeah. to go to the bank and change it. And that was fine. The one thing is now I officially have fathers in my name. So, <laughs> and, but I'd already kind of been dealing with that because I said, like I said, I had it in other places. So I do, you know, I might go to a place and be like, oh, can I get my ticket? And then it's under like, you know, some bizarre section because the, the, the system has messed it up because the fathers and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, it hasn't been, hasn't been too painful. There has been a few times where I, I go somewhere and I'm like, okay, I'm Kira. Is it, is it under N? For Nye, is it under E or is it under H for Hinehan? Like, because there might be, but mm. you know, it's a small price to play. To you know, pay. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I had I had a funny one uh, recently. I we myself, my wife went uh, to we're going to a hotel for the weekend, and I had um, I, I dropped her off and I was going to park the car, and um, I I said, look, just get checked in, and we'll go and get some drink or whatever it was, and and I'll get to park the car, and then I sh- came back kind of and she was still stuck at the desk, but I had. I have my Gmail is in Fineen McCorrick at gmail.com and I had booked it as Fineen McCorrick and I hadn't told her. So she's at the desk going, there's this Florence McCarthy. He's, he's <laughs> got to be there somewhere. And the chap behind the desk was Italian or something. And, and, and you know, it just, it just, it was, it, it didn't work. So um, um, it's, it's just how those kinds of, and, and this is just, these are the frustrations that I think Irish, you know, Irish speakers and people using the Irish versions of their names and so on, these are the little trials and tribulations that you have to deal with all of the time. And just that becomes, it, 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 it gets old. Yeah, it's funny because Nia isn't a known name. Like, I think it's not, it's, it does, this doesn't happen to me. But some of my friends who might have more common names, like if you had a name that people recognize in English, sometimes people just against your will anglicize it. Mm-hmm. You know, so they'd be mm-hmm. looking for the booking and you'd be like, oh, my my name was um on and they'll be like oh i found it brennan yeah and yeah it's just yeah. like why did you go to the trouble of changing yeah. it yeah like yeah. what it's just so bizarre <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah yeah and 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 that's still a thing so you get people say so what's the english what what is that in english now yeah 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 i mean i i, mean, I suppose we're, we're just never going to get over that as a culture really are we what's what's so funny i i like it it's just that fact that people are putting more value in like a cluster of letters in the English language that are meant to just represent the Irish. Yeah. That yeah. that for some reason has more credence than like the Irish word is just shocking. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It is. It is. There's so much to there. The colonization well, worked. Yeah. Well, this is it. They, they knew what they were at, you know, <laughs> um, they, they really did. Um, but, um, and they were at that from the beginning, by the way, when you go back and you, you, you then these people had this thought through. Yeah. Um, but Eirach Atuk Gaelach, Kira, just, I mean, we might just come into that topic. And, and I know because one of the, recently I um, I just saw uh, there was a, a play at um, the, um, um, the Dublin Film Festival, um, Grinder Cider August, uh, uh, and Share, mm-hmm. Share. 
Um, I've used now. So, so this is just because I suppose what I've known you for would have been poetry. Just I'd love to talk about the, the, the playwriting and the play and that aspect of life and and the interaction of those two things. Because I mean, because I suppose Irish, you know, a lot of the things that are perceived about Irish would be very traditional and you know very um, uh, certainly the, the language is so kind of rooted in 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 uh, there's a lot of the uh, religious um, context in terms of the way the language is spoken the very traditional Catholic kind of uh, historically in terms of the way the language um, evolved um, and how do um, would you mind just, just 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 talking to us about that and what that how, how, how that interacts in your life yeah, so Eirach Atzuch is a queer arts collective mm-hmm. um, set up by myself and Owen McAvoy. Um, mm-hmm. So we're the co-directors and co-founders of the group. And we set it up in 2020. And the reason was we'd been running broad like pride events for a few years beforehand. And we'd been quite involved just in the Irish language community and kind of informally had ended up getting to know a lot of people who were queer and a lot of people who are artists because Owen and I are both artists, both writers and own draws as well and we were like wow there's a lot of people who are queer and who are artists and who have Irish like Mm -hmm. imagine if we could kind of gather them together and not even so an arts collective really just means that we're all members of the group kind of loosely and then if one of us was making something they might say hey is anyone available to do the music and if somebody has time and if so it's all very loose like it's not like anybody is really is bound to it um so at the start, um, we had like, we had like, we, we met a lot of people, kind of new people that we didn't know, which was amazing. And now we have over 90 members um, in Ireland and internationally. And so some of the members would just be members in name and haven't been involved in any productions. But it's just, it's been so buoying to know that there's so many of us um, who are, who all fit under these categories and have, I suppose, shared interests. Um, and just last week or the week before, we won um, the best entertainment group um, at the galas. So that's like the national LGBT um, awards. So that was incredible. And then Broad and the won the best event. And you know, what, what we people were really stressing when they heard that we won, they were like, so this wasn't in like the Irish language category. This is yeah. just, and I was like, yeah, we actually were just in our own, like just we're still even against English language. Yeah. <laughs> Because there is a tendency, obviously, to kind of ghettoize Irish. It's like, yes. it's like all to put their put them all kind of in one category, even though they have nothing to do with one another. Yeah. Um. So that was incredible, and um, that's the group. So we've done. I started writing kind of different things then in partnership with Owen, which was incredible. And I hadn't. It's a very different experience as well to be writing with someone as opposed to the kind of lonely figure at the desk. And um, we made a, we did a production in the Dublin Fringe Festival, which was an immersive audio walkthrough piece. So you walked through these like seven different sets that told you the story of one of our members, um, who was a man at the time. He was fifty-seven, so it was about him in Ireland in the eighties being gay, um, in that environment, moving to London and then coming home to Ireland post-referendum. And on that, we ha- we ha- we were co-working, we were working with people. To make the music to make the set to, it was just it was a huge huge step for us and then um, we did as you said grinder cider and share in the galway arts festival this year so we were on stage as actors so we're always growing and we're always trying new things and it's really just a needs must kind of thing like we wrote the play and now it's going to be on and we better be in it and it's it's 
amazing to get these opportunities to grow and to try new things and to show audiences. But you did say about um, hey, you asked me a question about Eric Hattokoyluk and I could talk for hours, but you, you did mention about Irish being associated with old fashionedness maybe and kind of with religion. Um, but it's important to remember that being queer is very old fashioned because <laughs> mm-hmm. queerness has existed since the first human. Um, mm. And it's very Gwaelach to be mm. queer. If you look at our, our mythology, there's a lot of people who are queer. Mm. I don't like, and I don't know about mythology. I really want to look into it more. I don't know enough about it because I know, you know, things were rewritten and things were overlooked during mm-hmm. times when people didn't appreciate that aspect of our mythology. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, when the English came here, they thought we were very uncivilized because women had so much of a say in society. So we have to remember how much we changed under colonization. Um, and I'm really on a journey learning that at the moment and trying to unravel all these assumptions that we have about what it means to be Irish and what it means to be Gaelic. Mm. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot recently about how like the first colonization, well, there were a lot of phases. But the first colonization was probably a patrician one. It was it was it was Christianity. It was you know I mean that was that was the first kind of way, or at least well okay there, there were there were many many other kind of peoples who came uh, at various different stages, but I mean that was um, that was a biggie because it's just I've, I've been reading recently a bit of, of, of about the Fianniacht and all of those mythological stories, but but actually a lot of them were written in the. The earliest ones were the seventh, eighth century, and a lot in the kind of thirteenth, fourteenth century and later. By which time, of course, the people who were writing them were immersed in, you know, Christianity, which had been here now for you know um, almost a thousand years. And so the idea, how, how you know, you know, the, the idea, of what were they, what was their ability to actually kind of see back into the the pre-Christian kind of mindset and and, and mentalities of life? It's it's it, it's fascinating to actually just think about that. But I have seen. Um, I think I, I just see, so one, I, I can't remember specifically now where it came from. It was an article for somebody in Donegal talking about the degree to which various differences of LGBT identities existed in, in early Gaelic society. It's, it's, it's extraordinary, actually. Mm. Yeah. But, but how does that kind of just, if we, but if we roll that forward, I say the, the, the language in some ways, and this is what I want to just maybe just tease out a little bit is some, is, is maybe sometimes associated in some quarters as, let's say, a you know, coming from a conservative place, and and how does that? How does it? How does? How do you find that? That um, it. I mean, I mean, you're you're just showing up, and you're being just you know who you are in the language. But because because you know, let's say a lot of the idiom is is quite conservative, or coming from a particular kind of um, rural uh, rural community. You know what I mean? How does that? Any thoughts on any of that? That's really interesting. Yeah, I suppose because the Irish language is relegated to the countryside. Mm-hmm. Those are the phrases that, well, I suppose those are the phrases that we had as well. Like, I'm not a historian, so I'm always really careful when I'm talking about these things. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I really think it's beautiful that we still use a lot of that. Like, there's a phrase, is trum kerkuad, which means like a hen is heavy for a long time. So even if you have a small thing, it's heavy for a long time. And obviously that can be used to describe any sort of burden that you're carrying. But I love that even though I live so far away from, I live in an apartment in Dublin city centre. I don't have any heads, but they're part of my life in that phrase. Um, and there's been some amazing work done by um, Professor Michael Cronin in Trinity College Dublin. And he's talking about Irish language and ecology and the link between the two and how having Irish brings you closer to the landscape 
and being like closer to the landscape is better for the environment. So actually learning Irish is a step that we can all take uh, to be more environmentally conscious, which is uh, his work is incredible. So I, I won't do it justice. But um, in terms of Grinder Cider and Share, we just really wanted to write a play like it was our the reason we wrote this play the way we did it's three different characters on a night out in a queer bar and we wanted to make the characters different have different experiences we just wanted to have more because our first piece for grand uh, for centered on one man and we wanted to have more voices in in the next piece and they're in a queer bar and it's set in modern day ireland so there are everything you would see in a queer bar <laughs> and there's no censorship and there's no idea of like um you were talking about irish being old-fashioned it's certainly not in this play and it, we we just wrote what we thought would be correct for the story and it was only really a month after we'd been on for like a week in the Thai York stage that i was just kind of walking one day and it kind of hit me like wow that must have been quite shocking for some people <laughs> you don't realize that when you write and you're practicing it every day but yeah they might have been shocked about what was happening in that toilet cubicle um but i i think that's really important to show people that irish like this that's the reality for people irish is a living language oh it's wonderful it's wonderful and because it, it just it just adds so much to the, the 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 richness and the relevance of the language i think um in 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 in, in modern ireland um um and uh that's Fascinating, Kira. Thank you for sharing it. Um, Kira, as we come towards the end of the, the session, as we kind of, uh, kind of, uh, as we wrap up, there are two questions that I always kind of put to all of the the, the the guests that we have here. And the first one, I'd like to just get your take on uh, is just if you like, kind of the state of the language type of thing, and and what your what your feelings are for um for for the future of the language. I mean, it's it, like it's something you've devoted your life to and, and and that's something that you've done you know from an extraordinarily young age in my in, in to my mind whether or not you were kind of pounding the books uh back in, in trinity back in the day you, you you went on the path and and you're still on it and you're living your life through it and it's a hugely important and meaningful thing for you mm. and and so i suppose that's you know the journey you're on and and we're doing that now in the context of let's say we're hearing on the one hand we spoke about the Gwaltuk and and, and we can, we're not neither of us are really able to get into you know the Gwaltuk you know as non-Gwaltuk dwellers but we do hear about the crisis that's in the Gwaltuk and the how, the fact that and I suppose we have to acknowledge the fact that the Gwaltuk is the the source you know, um, on Inche, it's where it's coming from on Tober. And um, if 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 that well dries up, well, then wh- what are we left with? So so so, and that that is that they are faced with the challenges of, uh, you know, uh, there was a girl wrote and there's an amazing article in Churisk that I just in the last couple of days, uh, a physiotherapist I think who, who immigrated to. New Zealand and Australia tried to come back to, she wanted to re- return to the Connemara Gwaltuk where she came from, can't afford to rent a place to live, can't afford to buy a house, can't get a mortgage, no prospect of being able to do so as a single person, can't mm. get insurance on her van. I mean, it's it, it, and it's 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 just a litany of things that, that it prevented her from just living in the Gwaltuk. So, so on the one hand, you have that kind of crisis that the Gwaltuk is experiencing and a huge pressure that the Gwaltuk is experiencing as a as a community an, an Irish language community and a, and a community language on the other hand you have this explosion of the language internationally 
um, online. You have the massive um, uh, development of the language as an EU um, official language, and all of the, the 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 all of the things that flow from that in terms of the status of the language and the modernizing influences of the language. And you have what you're doing in the language in terms of your 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 carving out a career um, and you're creating art and you're creating poetry, creating drama and and, and many other things too. I'm sure. Um, What's your sense of the future of the language? The kind of where it's at now, and where do you see it going? I mean, what like what what are your what are your thoughts around that? I'd love to have uh, well developed thoughts around that. Yeah. Um, it's hard to tell, really. You know what's going to happen in the future. Definitely, I agree with you about the Gaeltacht. Like it would be ideal to keep to preserve the Gaeltacht communities and to have people still happy to live there you know to have the infrastructure in terms of i know that they are doing investments in having gtech and kind of um places for people to work but um yeah to make to make it feasible and appealing for people to stay there and raise families would be very important um because i know i'm not from the Talk, but that doesn't mean i don't think about the Talk to worry about the Talk. um and i i don't one thing that I think is positive is that with the amount of globalization that is happening and with people looking around the world at other cultures, I think they're starting to look at what we have here and starting to appreciate it. You know, they're kind of saying, well, if they have their language and they have their culture, what do we have in Ireland? And we have an amazing culture. And I think there's more pride in that now. And I'm really interested to see how that's going to explode in 10, 20 years. Um, because a lot of people are, are much more positive towards Irish than they were. I'm sure we're sure we all know that at this stage. Um, and in terms of my own life, well, I just want to ha- live my life through Irish. I did a program on TG Cahir, Sail Tri Gaelga. Um, and it was that the title's taken from a phrase, I think that was translated from Basque, which um, because there was a lot of people in Belfast who had connections with Basque country, and it was just Sail Tri Gaelga Tawang. Like we want a life through Irish. And like it's not actually something that's provided for or made easy, which I think is a common misconception. I think a lot of people think that the state are very supportive toward the Irish language and they really aren't. It's not, it's, you really have to go out on your own path and just form communities. And there's a very DIY atmosphere when it comes to the Irish language. It's, it's not as if the state are saying, oh, of course, we have this amazing new establishment of 30 houses where you can all go and form a Gwail talk and speak Irish to each other. Like, um, and it's a pity that, such as like logistics are impacting our lives so much but they are so ideally i'd like to go live in a commu- in a commune with a bunch of my friends and speak irish and that sort of thing mm. but i mean it's well yeah let's make that happen but i mean the the but the i mean i was even looking at the budget there recently we're we're, we're having this conversation in um late october we had the budget and i was looking at the amount of money that they committed to Irish. Now, they, there was some increase in the budget but I was looking at it. I mean, they almost spent as much on the Irish contribution to the space program as they did the Irish language, you know. And I was going like, "Wait a minute, no, hold on. Okay, it'd be great if Ireland had a space program, but you know, I, I, I really don't think it's it's in the same order of magnitude in terms of importance to us as a state, or in terms of what we might actually, you know, be able to 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 to, to have an impact on." Um, but. Because I even see just that there's a magazine, and if, forgive me, but the name escapes me right now. But I was, it's, it's, it's just they've just written out to their subscribers this month, I think, saying that they're closing down. They've been going for, for, I think they've done 900 issues, so it was 75 years. There is, it's an, a monthly um, 
magazine. I'm sorry, it, it, I, I, I can't. But but they just shut down because they they just they're not getting any state um, funding any um, any are sufficiently to enable them to keep going, and um, and 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 all of those issues that 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 because because there is a kind of a certain perception I think among the more cynical kind of non-Irish speakers or those not well exposed that oh if if you're doing it in Irish you're getting grants up the wazoo. Oh, we're all getting grants. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, unfortunately, it's not like that. And even like on a, and we're talking a lot about practical things here because that's what it comes down to. Like if I go into, I don't know, get some government form or my driver's license or apply for something, I'm going to have to face someone behind the desk who doesn't speak Irish. And if I want to get the service in Irish, they're going to roll their eyes and say, oh, well, the person who speaks Irish is only here on Tuesdays between 10 and 11. So can you come back then? And like, it can and, and you know, it's, it's just can't life can be difficult if you want to live your life to Irish. And then people will say, well, just do it in English. But mm. then at the end of the at the end of the year, the figures will say nobody wanted the service in Irish. Mm. Mm. So there's a mm. reason why we want these services in Irish. It's to ensure that we will have those in services mm. in the future. Mm. Mm. And um, uh, completely. But I mean, how do you feel? I mean, do you feel I mean, are, are, are you hopeful are you what's your sense of it i mean are you are you are you are you are you do you do you feel i mean positive about the the, the future of the language well i might be entirely deluded but i'm very positive about the future yeah. of the language. but i mean that's i'm surrounded by people who speak irish and who want to speak irish and who want to raise their families through the language and yeah create art in the language and just do everything through yeah. irish and a lot of them are succeeding, so I'm very positive about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And do you see that? Is is that a growing community? Um, I don't know. It's it's hard to know really if 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 I'm just surrounded by these people or if there are more people like that. Hmm. Um, like I said, there are there are more people now sending their kids to Grail Scullina, so there's going to be a whole generation of fluent speakers coming out on the other end. But yeah. whether or not, like we talked about the education system, whether or not they use that. When they mm. leave the education system is another question. Mm, mm, mm. No, that, that that is that is a uh, that is a very interesting point, and the fact that you saw that uh, at that age is, um, is 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 extraordinary. Finally, Kira, what I would like to ask you about is 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 something that is huge for me uh, in terms of understanding other people's take on this. But it's you know there's a there's a huge amount of effort required in this. First of all, your effort in, in, in and you said it, it, it isn't easy for you. English is your native uh, language, or the one that you learned first. Let's say grew up in. Um, so, so Irish is always an effort, um, and it was always an effort for you to go and to to, to, to to take the steps you did to, to to get to where you are now. And as you say, you are continually facing when you try to insist on the language, the service through Irish. That's a struggle, and it would be much easier just to. Let's just go to English here, and it'll be it'll it'll be easier. So, all of those things said, what is your Irish language? Why? Why do you do all that you do um, through and for the language? And 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 what motivates you in doing that? I I don't I just believe in the language, and I I think it's existed for so long, um, and I I want to be part of that chain. And I am. <laughs> it's very simple. I wish I could say something more complicated, but really, that's it. And it, it's it's 
sometimes for people who learn Irish as a subject in school, it's just incredible for them that anyone could have more than that. But it's like the language in which my life is unfolding. So, yeah, I, I'm very... <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, 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 t I can't really put, I, I wish I, you know, for a writer, I should really be able to say something more, more than that. But um, it's like asking someone who speaks English, I suppose, like, why is English important to them? But they, they wouldn't say it's important to them. So it's different as well. Um, completely. And, and I think, yeah, com completely. And it's, it's a, yeah, because I suppose it's like asking a fish, why is, why is water important to them? Um, but uh, but talk to me though there just for a second, if you don't mind, about that chain. You're being part of the chain because I think mm. that that for me is is a huge thing, and that sense of I mean, do you feel a connection with the with 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 with, with ancestors or or, or 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 people who've gone before you in terms of the use of the language? Yes, definitely, and it's interesting because my like I'm a dub, but like not for many generations. So like my dad's from Mayo on one side, and his dad was a teacher and had Irish. And then my granddad on the other side is from the Gaeltacht, um, Ivrahoch in Kerry. Um, and he didn't speak Irish, but he was probably like the first generation who didn't, you know. So I feel like it's a great act of vengeance <laughs> to be able to live my life for Irish, true Irish, for all of the people who were subjugated to years and years of colonization and being denied their rights, being denied who they are and I think it's just like it feels it feels brilliant that my life is being lived through Irish that's wonderful mm. I'm 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 so so just delighted for you and 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 and, and happy to hear it um um Treslam Latakara Akira Akara Gurdav Milamahagut Buenos Ansaltas and Scale Arain Tulin Verbua August Banatakara I hope you enjoyed this episode. I would really appreciate your feedback and would be eternally grateful if you would follow, rate and review the show. Please also be sure to sign up at thelanguagequestion.com forward slash resources to get your free valuable learning resources and to stay up to date with upcoming episodes, guests and to receive exclusive content. Slán tamla.